Today, Dion is going to guide us through the huge release, new release of uh, of the Blender Beam Madden, the very first one from 2021. Hello, Dion. What's happening here, man? Hey, Petra. Um, yeah, this is a really huge release, and it has a uh, big impact on what Blender Beam can do today and what it will be able to do in the future. And you're right, it's the first release of the year, and we usually try and do a release at least once a month, so we made it on the very last day. Um, and essentially, almost everything under the hood has changed in this release. All the code has been, from the past year of development, has basically been rewritten in about a month. So. Um, with a lot of big changes, there are probably a lot of um, issues that come with this. So a word of warning for people who are trying out this release that it could have issues. Well, it must have issues. Um, but, but that said, um, if it does work, there are uh, some really interesting aspects that uh, I think we can discuss today. Yeah, that sounds very good. Let's go through the most important features. Yeah. So I guess as a user um, who, who is not too worried about under the hood or technical or code or all that type of stuff, there are a few things which make this release really, really exciting. And uh, all of them are written down in the release notes, which um, I'm sure a link will be provided and you can read in detail. And you can also see uh, a big list of all of the individual tiny changes that were made. Uh, but at the very top, you'll see a little summary of what the biggest impact is going to be. So I guess we'll just go through one by one and I'll elaborate a little bit more uh, compared to what I've written down. So the first one is pretty self-explanatory. It's zero data loss during import or export. So right now, uh, almost everybody's experience with OpenBIM revolves around using an import or export feature in another application. So they would model it in, in, in their application, and sometimes people call this the native model. And then they would press the import button or the export button, and that would convert to or from an IFC uh, to or from the uh, native model. And uh, there are lots of problems with that, because the whole point of IFC and international standards is for us to collaborate seamlessly with one another. But you can't really do that if um, you have to rely on an import-export because every time you rely on an import-export, uh, there is a translation or mapping that happens between your native model and the IFC model. And I think everybody who has done this process is very familiar that you do get a huge amount of data loss whenever you import or you export, you know, you, and, and, and this is a significant amount of data loss and some, and it's not just data loss. There's also a, a lack of understanding of where the data is stored. So let's say you, you have some BIM data stored in your model. And when you press export, you're not even sure if it's there. Like sometimes you have to double check whether the export did it correctly. And sometimes it might turn up in a different location that you didn't expect, or there might be data in there that you had no idea uh, existed and was just automatically generated. So users have extremely little control over their BIM data. And that is against the whole concept of collaboration and interoperability. What we need are applications where the user can trust their BIM data. 
And the only way to do that is to treat IFC as a native BIM format. And that's exactly what the Blender BIM add-on does. So now with the Blender BIM add-on, when you are editing your BIM model, you are editing IFC directly. You are not um, relying on an import or an export translation. And the result of that is that there is now zero data loss. You don't need to worry about certifications or whether somebody has tested the import or export or whether there are workarounds for, for each vendor. All of that goes away because what you see is truly what your BIM data is. There is wow. zero data loss. But was this is this any different than it used to be the previous version of Blender BIM or this has been the whole time the case? Sort of. So in the previous version of Blender BIM, there was still a translation. However, uh, the translation was quite minimal because the way the system worked was that it took the IFC structure and it copied it into Blender. And that was that's very close to having zero data loss, uh, but it's not zero data loss. So for example, things which he hadn't implemented it. So for example, a lot of uh, uh, MEP type um, features which are have not yet been built into Blender BIM, that data would be lost. Um, so over time, Blender BIM has uh, had more and more support for the spec, but it never had 100% and, and, and zero applications out there have 100% support for the spec. That's just the fact. And so everybody has data loss. Blender BIM tends to have less data loss due to the amount of support it has. And also the fact that there's not much translation because other applications, they have had decades of history behind them where they would be, um, uh, where the way you do things in Revit or the way that you do things in ArchiCAD, the way you do things in TechLab, that's the way you do things. And then when you export or import into IFC, somebody has to decide how do you translate the, you know, the, the, this way of doing it to the IFC way of doing it. Whereas Blender BIM never really had that translation. The way it was designed in Blender was from the beginning, very, very close. But, that, but that's the distinction here. It was very, very close, but not perfect. But now that's what this release does. It makes the jump from very close to perfect. So uh, yeah, I guess the, you don't need to worry about it anymore whenever you Congratulations, man. Then this is, this is really huge. This, this is really, really huge. Correct. It means that users can trust their BIM data. Because in the past, people would treat IFCs um, as as a transfer format almost, you know, uh, or, or a reference, right? You, you export it, but that's it. It's a dead end. Nobody touches it anymore. Anytime you want to update data, you have to update the original native and then rely on a on another trend, you know, on another translation. And as a result of that, you never really had interoperability. It was always a dead end, you know, between project phases or when exchanging stakeholders. People would redo the same work again and again and again simply because they couldn't they couldn't take advantage of all that ISC data. But this changes things. Finally, there is an application, and Blender BIM's not the first one. We have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I, I believe this approach uh, has been implemented before, but it's but it's extremely rare, and, and I can't name a, a common commonly used application. But if, if people watching this do know, I'd love for them to leave a comment on other applications which do use this approach too. 
But finally, we now have a, um, a slightly more accessible application where everybody can say, yeah, we can now, between project phases, between exchanging stakeholders, keep this IFC data and progressively, incrementally add more and more, make it richer, make it cleaner, instead of kind of just saying, yeah, here's a file. It kind of exported. You can look at it, don't fully trust it. And uh, you you kind of just ignore it after a while. That's very important. That's very important. And uh, I had um, two days ago, uh, there was somebody, a civil engineer from Germany, who uh, who we talked about a little bit during my live uh, daily live streaming. Um, he he uh, uh, had this challenge. He needed to export from Alplan and get it to a structural analysis software, and he needed to export from Alplan to uh, after that import in Tecla, and after that to export to that software to get in the right place. And uh, who uh, God knows only what happens behind the scenes. You don't know anything, right? So it's very, very nice that now we have a tool that you can you can audit your IFC file and trust in it that this is how it is. And uh, you, you start understanding, you, you can see what you how you can understand maybe better how the other application is exporting the IFC file or I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Previously, people almost had to learn all of the quirks that happened during translation and the workarounds. But it shouldn't be like that. That's not how inter interoperability is meant to be. And this really changes uh, the game. And that, and, and we so far, we're talking about current projects, but this also applies to historic projects, right? Every single, all this, this um, heap of digital data that people are creating on every single project, at the end of the day, you always get two files. You get the IFC and you get your, um, your native one and the native one expires. Over time, it sort of just fades away and you're only left with the IFC, but people think that you can't do much with the IFC. But so for all your historic projects, you now have a whole bunch of IFC files because the, late, the native ones are long gone. And well, this now offers you a tool that people can use to maintain and upgrade and uh, their digital uh, their, um, their digital real estate portfolio, essentially. So all historic projects can now be, uh, you know, um, maintained across the lifetime of the building. And and it costs zilch. It doesn't cost anything. It's free, open source. Correct. It's all free and open source. <laughs> oh my God! Thank you, man. Thank you for doing such a great work. It, this is amazing. I I I'm I'm mind blown. It's it's amazing. Regarding the. Um, uh, the native format of the files, of the IFC files, right? Like the Blender Beam uh, add-on is doing this. Uh, and you mentioned that um, the, the other applications are just translating or uh, they try to to spit out, depending how they understand they should spit out the, the, the file, right? Would be there any things that they can do better? Like, do you see, would be possible that the other applications can get it to the same level as Blender Beam to to be to have the cap capability to um, to use it in a native way without doing this distorted uh, import export kind of. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, you. They could use the the previous approach that Blender Beam used, which was to just build more and more support of the spec and improve the mapping until it and and the user. Ex 
experience around that mapping. But that's a really, really hard task um, and almost a never ending task. So I'm not entirely convinced that that's the best way to go, but absolutely, that is definitely an option that people can take. No, but, but I understand I understand they have interests, but if they want to comply with building smart and with everything at the end of the day, if they would, let's say if they would have the willing to do that, would that be possible from an implementation point of view? Everybody can do what um, I have done here with BlenderBIM. Okay. Absolutely everybody can do that. There's, there's no technical reason why other people cannot take the same approach. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's just a matter of willpower. Yeah, and if they do that, what they lose doing that is that um, after that, uh, each application would differentiate, differentiate itself from others, just how how they have the tools built inside, how you build, how you work with one or another, right? Or they, they are afraid to lose the, the leverage they have inside their application or what what reasons do you do you think they have that they don't want to open more well let, let me uh, try to clarify a misunderstanding here okay this is just because ifc can be treated as a native format doesn't mean that makes um applications useless like every application becomes the same uh so for example um let's say i'm editing a brand new ifc file now in Blender, I can apply something called a modifier. And this is some, if, if somebody has done visual programming before, you might uh, understand this concept as a bit. So let's say I have a whole bunch of cubes which are being arrayed, um, something like that, let's say. And now let's say I want to do a, a neat little trick here and I want to go and um, apply this empty object as an offset. So just a moment. Let's let's do something interesting here. All right. So this is a, a crazy shape that I created in about, I don't know, how whatever, under a minute. And 20 seconds. Okay, great. <laughs> we can we can fact check that. Um, so IFC does not have the capability uh, to store this particular type of parametric transformation uh, within the IFC data right now. Maybe in the future it might, but right now it does not. Therefore, uh, this is one particular scenario in that having a native application, which uh, which augments or, or complements the IFC functions uh, with, with more features on top can be useful. Whereas the base BIM data is still a stable foundation that everybody can trust. Whereas there are sort of uh, I guess user level extensions or application level extensions that do particularly neat tricks uh, that that we might need on 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 complex tasks. Whereas all the basic needs, like you know, a wall is a wall is a wall. Um, you know, most applications, a wall is a wall. <laughs> yeah. All that becomes part of the basic package, and we're no longer com you know we're no longer stuck on one application simply because we have to deal because you know, of you know, uh, everybody wants to use those walls. Now we can switch between applications. And in fact, I can use Blender to model aspects, uh, which which do this type of cool thing that I could do in 20 seconds. And then I would switch to FreeCAD, which would then go use its particular strength in in um, uh, uh, parametric 
hierarchy of uh, modifications. And, and then I could switch again to Sphere Jacques to do visual node programming, or uh, I could then switch to a, another application which offers a really awesome interface for costing or scheduling. And each one of these can specialize um, on different aspects and add little bits, you know, their little flavor of usability improvement or, or even cool tricks, just like, like the one I have right here. Um, and so it, it doesn't remove the, the need for native applications. In fact, this just makes it better because now I can actually build half my model in this app and then switch over to another app and then switch over to a third app and have people from 10 apps all using different applications which use the best tool for the job. So then, then what is the reason then? They just don't want to co to make the industry more cooperative or what, what is the reason if, if losing a oh, competitive advantage? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll let you, I mean, yeah. We can speculate. Yeah, we, we can speculate. Um, <laughs> I think we've, we've we've made the point. Zero data loss. That's the that's the, the words you need to remember. <laughs> so I guess one of the implications of treating IFC as a native format is that we get much faster import times. So um, this is this is great because uh, importing can be very painful in in some software, um, and so it makes it's really important for people to be able to import quickly if they want to start treating IFC not just as a, um, oh, if they want to treat it as the native model. So Blender BIM now has twice as fast import times on average. It kind of depends. Um, you know, sometimes it's faster, sometimes it's slower. Sometimes you get 70%, sometimes you get 30%. So it, so it really varies uh, depending on what the content of the file is. Um, and you can also see that the it may also not correlate to uh, file size. So for example, the the 64 megabyte architecture file actually imports uh, way faster than the 51 megabyte structural file. And in this one particular scenario, you know, that's not a general statement. It's highly specific to what's in the file. And um, I, I guess this will come more with, when people understand about and, uh, what is stored in their IFC file. Again, with this, when people can say, hey, hold on, you know, why is it? why is my file so big or so small you know what, what how is it storing all this geometry or or data um I, I guess one also important thing is that the last release did have a bug in it where certain files um uh, files which use a feature of ifc known as presentation layers basically a a cad layer so um there was a bug in the last release where those files could take very long time to import that's been fixed and so for if you were affected by that bug um then it would actually get maybe even four times faster to import so basically much much faster import time and also the uh, your, your blender will use less of your system resources so blender is also already pretty good with dealing with huge huge files on especially on low-end hardware uh, but i guess this just makes it better again yeah very nice very nice okay uh well i'll, I'll do export times because this is a very simple one basically export times are now practically instant um but so export, exporting export what it's it's called export because i haven't i guess maybe i should change the name to save <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but 
I mean, uh, no, no, I'll keep it. I'll keep the name as export. I, I didn't. I didn't think too much about that, uh, because don't forget, IFC is not a format, right? Uh, there, there's many possible formats. So, yeah, exactly. I guess what the export does is is embedded in a particular format that you've decided. So the export could be writing it to a IFC file or IFC JSON file, or it could be publishing it to a shared central server or something like that uh, that you're all collaborating on or, or something like that. So I guess what this means is that in the past, so if I, I'll do a quick demo here. Um, if I just go and import, oops, this test file. So there it is. That was twice as fast, by the way. <laughs> so, so now, if I press, you know, uh, if I press the export button, and I go type in test, done. It's already exported. Just like like there's no there's no progress, nothing. It's it's already done. It it's practically instant. Um, and to give you an and obviously nothing is instant instant. But to give you an idea of just how fast it is, if you are saving out a a 350 megabyte file on my computer that will take about 20 seconds and that all that depends on is your uh and and really the factor that depends on is if you are exporting to a .ifc file it would be how fast your computer can write a um write a file to your disk so that's the limiting factor there's, there's no processing happening whatsoever because it's already pre-processed it's just how fast can it spit it out impressive very impressive great work again great work because that's usually a really painful thing and that 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 makes people not want to create ifcs because you know you can take half a day or even a whole day on a really complicated project just exporting such a waste of time in the process of rewriting everything there's been a whole bunch of really cool new user interface improvements as well so now everything is automatically adapted to your IFC version and the UI you'll find is generally a lot cleaner. You know, there's a lot less um, clutter in the UI, all that's been cleaned up. And now there are sort of a standardized um, user experience across different modules. So previously when it was first built, it kind of just evolved over time, but I've taken a fresh look at that. And now every single module works in a, a more or less consistent way. So that's really exciting for users because they they just look at a module and it's pretty obvious how to use. And I guess one of the biggest improvements is that it understands um, the IFC version that you're using. So for example, uh, if I click on this object and I see it has a predefined type of floor and I press the edit button, now you can see that I can just click on the dropdown of floor and it will uh, show me what options are available. And this is specific to the IFC version. So in some applications, you, you, you don't know any of this, right? You'll have to actually look up the spec and it, it's really not user-friendly. Um, so this allows you to do it. Um, but also this will adapt based on your IFC version. So I guess the best way to explain that is if I open up a brand new Blender BIM and we compare the two. So this over here is an IFC 2x3 project. So let's say I, I'm creating a uh, brand new object and I can select what type of IFC element it is. And you can see this is what's available to me. And this is what's available in IFC 2x3. But then if I switch 
to uh, this one and I create a new project that is IFC4, not IFC2x3. And now I want to assign a class. You can see all this available to me. And just things like that, that make the user realize, ah, okay, this is the impact. This is the, uh, of, of using a particular IFC version. Here are the options that are really available to me. Uh, in the past, BlenderBIM didn't have that. In the past, BlenderBIM always assumed you were going to work with IFC4, but if you really, really wanted to, you could use 2x3, but it would always default to 4. And it was cumbersome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this would confuse a lot of users because sometimes they would, uh, I guess, upgrade their file without realizing <laughs> and, uh -huh. or, or, and, or, or downgrade if, if they were trying to fix it. And this creates a lot of issues, but now this guides the user on what's possible. So I guess for those who haven't seen it before, this is the difference between IFC4 and IFC 2x3. So if you haven't switched yet, please do, because that's all of the information that you are missing out on. Huge. Wow. Yeah. And it's the same when filling out property sets. You know, you don't need to map it and read up the spec. So for example, if I'm editing the wall common, I can just press edit and it knows, you know, uh, the status will set it to um, existing. Uh, let's say it's, it's combustible. And uh, let's say this is a load bearing wall. So, and there's, there's number sliders as well. And then I can just press the okay button. And I guess one of the things this also highlights is whether or not a value is um, null or not. So this is a concept that I think a lot of BIM applications have missed. Um, how do you know whether the property exists because the computer has generated it with a default value or a blank value, or the user has actually explicitly looked at it and assigned it a blank value or is going to fill it out or has to fill it out. And th th there is no differentiation between this usually in BIM programs. Whereas now I can see that uh, pre so previously is external was unchecked, but it truly was unchecked. This, this uh, filled in circle means that that was a, a property that an ex uh, the, the user or application had explicitly set that to be unchecked. I know it's not that the user just forgot about it. If, if this were blue and empty, this would mean that the user has not specified it at all. It's not just, it's not true, it's not false, it's, it's really unspecified. So the ability to know whether or not something is specified, so I can say, okay, now I'm specifying this, and we'll say, all right, there we go. Now it, it truly is specified. You, you must click on that dot as well. Uh, that's a bit annoying. Tell you what, we'll fix that in the next release. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, it should uh, have um, be automatically, right? When you check that box, it should uh, be activated. Correct, correct. We'll fix that. We'll make it so that once you toggle something, it auto updates. So so it's so nice to hear that. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> well but, but there you go. Um, I, I guess this is just one of the, the usability improvements um, that that people can expect. All of what I described so far leads to this big change, which is what we call partial IFC editing. So the idea is that IFCs represent a huge amount of data and that data set is only set to grow. Uh, people have this misconception that you have to process 
the entire IFC file and it becomes very big and cumbersome to work with. But, but this approach, what it allows you to do is only edit parts of the IFC file. So for example, let's say this were a, a huge model. So let's just start again from scratch and I'm going to import that model, but let's say it's, it's ridiculously huge. And let's say I only want to do um, an environmental uh, simulate or, or, or just like a basic uh, massing model. So I'm only after the walls and the slab objects. So we'll, we'll press import. So now I have only walls and slabs. I got nothing else. So that import was faster than the previous one, by the way, but it's hard to notice. And now I can just edit those files and save those out back to the original IFC. And all of the, the remaining objects that I didn't import uh, have not been damaged in any way. They're still there. So that allows people to edit only portions of an IFC. And Blenderbim keeps track of who's edited what. And this is a, uh, unfortunately, there isn't a pretty interface built for this yet. So I'll show you the scary developer interface. But for example, uh, let's say I'm editing this wall and I change the name from this ridiculous thing to, uh, you know, fancy wall to another ridiculous thing. Uh, now I can see that this wall actually has a name. Uh, been, been modified. It's been modified by a particular person and this particular application. So it keeps track of who's modified what. Whereas this wall, uh, you can see that uh, there's no change being made. So um, this might seem uh, not too crazy useful for users just yet, um, but I think developers might uh, see a lot of potential with this. And one of the things that will uh, allow us to do is to have multiple users editing portions of IFCs simultaneously across different applications in a sort of multi-user collaboration environment. So that will come, not yet, but uh, that, that's one of the things that this type of partial editing enables. And hopefully it also helps people question that IFC is not this huge monolithic thing. It actually is quite uh, delineated. Um, so you can edit just attributes without touching anything else or just construction type. Let me ask you something. So let's say that, for example, you are working in um, another application, right? In another like Revit, and you want to, to fix some things that you cannot fix in Revit. You Can you take it a part, a small part of it in Blender Beam? fix what you want to fix from IFC perspective to export it right and merge it back in Revit. Would that make any sense? Uh, yes, you correct. You, you absolutely could. I mean, Revit couldn't import it uh, probably without a lot of data loss um, because of the first issue we talked about. But what you could do is that you could take something exported out of Revit and use Blender just to modify a portion of it that you know needs fixing up for whatever reason and then save that back out. And then it now has a full history that actually this is a hundred percent. This is a ninety-nine percent Revit file, except for this one percent, which was which was modified by this application. And uh, let's say like uh, you don't go back to Revit, but you can can you use only that modified part uh, with with uh, with the the other part of that comes from Revit in another application where you put together the entire model, for example, like uh, Solibre uh, that is reading an IFC IFC files, right? 
can you could you do that would you see these the changes in in this kind of software or actually uh, i think you you're thinking that this splits up the file into the, the big you know the big chunk and then the little bit that you extract out but it's it's not actually extracting it out no it's the same it's, file it's still part of the big file okay. it's the same thing yeah it's just just modifying a portion of it but if you have the file uh, originating from two different sources you have the original file from revit right yep and you you cannot update it in revit, in revit. you do it in uh, blender bim well if you want to update it in revit you would have to modify your native revit um element or or, or whatever setting yeah uh, then you would need to do a full export process all over again and that would process everything and and, and all of the stuff that comes with that whereas uh, with this approach you could take the existing export bring it into blender bim or just bring a portion of it into blender bim uh, tweak it and then uh, save out the the fully changed file it's not two files it's still one file that's that's changed yeah okay uh, i understand but then then from revit would be possible to export only part of the the file to 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 put everything together so you don't have the same elements uh, overlapping in when you when you put everything together um in theory you could do that in theory um however that relies on applications properly implementing things like uh tracking who change what um or whether it's or, or having consistent um ids on particular types of objects or relationships uh, unfortunately i don't think that's currently possible uh, with revit but with another application absolutely that's probably something um we should definitely do a session on next time when we have a technical demo yeah but uh, you know what I'm, i'm thinking like from an ideal uh, pers um, workflow perspective what would be the best workflow so because blender beam does all these things so well uh, would be good like to do everything you can do like if you're using revit like let's say some you use at work you have no choice you will use revit and uh, to do all this stuff related to ifc to just do it in blender beam would would make more sense or or will you just use blender beam to audit you do everything in revit whatever you can the maximum you can do you export it and use blender beam to audit the ifc file and after that to fix everything you need to fix and use it after that for for multidisciplinary or uh, federated models what was the question i didn't quite get that uh, about re regarding the workflow what would be the best workflow like how would you do it if you if you are uh, if you you need to use revit or tecla or uh, alplan or uh, archicad well if you need to use it then you don't have a choice right you have to create your ifc from your native app yes i mean how how do you uh, do you take uh, both uh, things for, from both worlds how do you take the best from blender beam with the best from these tools to make it to the most streamlined workflow i think you you uh you change things in in your uh proprietary application um change things which are easy to change uh, to get the ifc at the base state as good as possible and then the things which are, are are too tricky to change or simply cannot be changed then you'll resort to uh blender bim so i guess it's a bit like um you know when people do uh, photo editing 
right yeah. you, you you always try to get the best shot best base photo you can with your camera and then later on you bring it into your your editing tool and you add decoration on top yeah yeah that that makes sense okay but i could be wrong that's just just me maybe somebody else you know has a, has a cool thing and if you do share it yeah. let's work it out share it of course <laughs> I don't know how many people use BCF in Blender, probably not that many. Um, and the reason is because previously in Blender BIM, uh, BCF was basically a read-only system. So you look at all your issues, but that was it. You just look at them, which is not very exciting. So uh, Blender BIM has now got a brand new BCF system. And um, now it well basically you can do everything that you would expect there's nothing much more to say other than that you can write comments edit comments edit labels and assign related topics and all that you'll find it here in the um bcf project um panel and you'll you'll just load in your project or you can create a, a brand new project so there, there's uh no real interesting I mean, this is just the things that you would expect from your issue management software. You would say, okay, uh, you know, fix fix wall or something like that. But how how then how how would you work together with other people? So this is just you need to share the file, right? You save it in the file, and you need to share the file. Is there any way you can um, you can make it uh, interactive? The cooperation between other between more people on the same project. So currently we're implementing BCF XML, which means that you're absolutely right. You need to save the uh, BCF file and, and share that with different people. But um, part of the reason of rebuilding uh, this BCF system is to allow support for what's called the BCF API. And we don't have that yet, uh, but the, the, that's exactly what it does. It allows you to connect to a cloud or a server and um, access your issues from there so what this would allow people to do is that let's say you're you have some cloud platform that your bim model is on uh, but bim but blender offers much nicer um uh, a much nicer environment for looking around your model and investigating things uh then you would open up blender tell it to connect to your uh api and uh, view the issues but right now obviously that's that's not done yet but um it will be um yeah, but, but I guess one of the biggest improvements that as a side effect of that is that IFC Clash now exports to BCF. So there is a clash detection feature in uh, Blender BIM over, over here, so clash sets. So you can uh, create clash sets and you can uh, add different clash sources from uh, one or two or, or more files or within the same file or whatever configuration you want. Let me ask you something regarding this, this add clash sources. Can you, for example, uh, set their import or use their clash clash sets from Solibri or other softwares? Or you need to create them manually inside here? Well, I am not aware of a standardized way of describing clash sets. So right now you can only, uh, just like any other application, you can define it within the application and then you can import or export, which you can see the buttons here, uh, that particular clash set within the application. But I'm not aware of um, a standard of sharing clash sets. And that's a real shame because there really should be, that would be a simple thing to do. Um, and 
Yeah, I guess if somebody, I, I don't, I haven't looked too much at those formats, but if somebody knows those formats a bit more and can build uh, a feature that can read them, please, please do. But I guess um, one of the the things that we'd really like in Clash set definitions is for it to be uh, tied to IFC so that you can actually use them. So for example, uh, within, let's say within Navisworks, I would assume that their Clash set is system is generic you know it, it doesn't necessarily apply just to ifc so queries that i could uh describe in ifc using a query like an ifc query language uh which Bunderbim supports um cannot be shared um simply because they they don't treat ifc as as something that that, that is the de facto way that bim models or is the standard for how bim models should be shared um Anyway, that, that's a very long-winded way of saying that if somebody knows those formats and will build a connector, please do. Um, I'm not aware of a standard, but if you are looking for one, well, why not use this one? Because this is an open standard. Uh, the, the Clash set definition is defined in um, just JSON, so anybody can work it out. So uh, if I go and press export, you can see that Clash set definition, Clash set is just a pure JSON file, which you can see there. So it's real simple to use. Okay. Uh, but I guess what I was I was saying at the beginning is that in the past, Clash set, the, the, the collision detection features in Blender BIM would only export out the results within Blender itself uh, in a really not very user-friendly way, as well as export out to a JSON file. And that's fine if you're a really technical person and you can understand that, but it's not fine for users who want to see, uh, who want to bring those results in BCF and maybe upload it to the cloud or, or view it on, a, on another dedicated issue management platform. So the really exciting bit is that now uh, we can do that. So yeah, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, amazing. Great work again. Finally, there's this one here, which is um, maybe we won't spend too much time on because in a future release, uh, when drawings have a lot more improvements, we'll, we'll spend more time on it then. But we are uh, starting more on uh, a system of 3D annotations. So the ability to create annotations uh, within your viewport and understand what's going on. So in the past, for example, if I create a drawing and I just clean that up, so let's have my drawing here and we'll decrease the size of that drawing and shift it around here. And in the past, this is how you would create dimensions. And that's really, well, poor for the, for the user experience. But now we have all of this stuff. So I'll just make that black. And you can see how um, now it becomes a lot more uh, user-friendly. You know, they can see what's going on when they're measuring things. and. Uh, I guess that's part of making uh, a proper full annotation environment is to have all of these indicators. So for example, if I then put a, a plan level on somewhere, for example, like that, yep, that's RL0. And of course it will show in 3D as well. So this is all just kind of stuff. So this was the old system. If I just turned that off, which is not very good, and it would generate it when you create the drawing. But the new system 
is, uh, well, a lot better in that regard. You can actually see what you're doing before you finally generate your drawing. Yeah. There you go. That's your drawing. Okay. Interesting. That's good. Looking good. Yeah, but um, there's still a huge amount of work to be done on this, but it, it is a start to provide this sort of interactive um, 3D annotation, but uh, it'll get better and better. Yeah.